0: This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host,
1: Carl Valeri. Welcome to the podcast where we inspire you to move forward in your aviation career and your life in general. You know, at least once a week, I'm asked by a flight attendant how they can become an airline pilot. You know, to help understand the journey from flight attendant to airline pilot, I have a flight attendant with me with a legacy airline. And his journey is really unique and exciting. And uh, we're also going to talk a little bit about qualifications and the lifestyle of a flight attendant. Well, Welcome to the show.
0: Hi, how are you?
1: Good, good. And uh, one of the things that uh, is interesting is that you have this incredible lifestyle uh, for, gosh, going around the world and seeing some amazing places. We're going to talk about that first, as far as being a flight attendant, but then you decided to go to this unique route. So, uh, so we're going to get into that. Uh, it's cool. You're actually uh, hanging out. Uh, no, no trips today, right?
0: No trips today. No, I had a day off and uh, studied. I was studying for one of my upcoming exams, and uh, yeah, I've got to get ready for work tomorrow.
1: Cool, cool. Well, anyway, well, before we get started here, there's a couple announcements I just got to quickly make here. We have uh, a new scholarship out there. I know you uh, people that are members of uh, the website. Uh, have access you know the annual members and also monthly members to the scholarships guide we have a new one from uh, uh, John and Martha King Uh, they actually have for certified flight professionals it's uh, it's open everybody you can take a look at it and there's a link in the show notes well anyway let's get going here and talking a little bit more about uh, your your journey to being a pilot and uh, but first before we do that there's something that I think People should really consider, and a lot of people listen to this show to consider a job as a, a legacy carrier or any uh, flight attendant with a major carrier. And so, I think I think it's a really cool job, and and it's a great opportunity. So, I kind of want to know what what you think about the job, and and what's what do you really enjoy about being a flight attendant?
0: Well, I've really become uh, accustomed to the lifestyle. I know for a lot of people, it's it's one of those lifestyles you either really enjoy or you really don't uh, you, you don't care for and that's you know what, what's come down for me um, to is just being able to have that lifestyle being you know having days off, being able to move days off uh, when I want them or uh, or actually moving the work around to where you know I can work and, and having the off time um, that's that's a huge benefit that you that I just haven't seen in many other jobs. And, that I really enjoy.
1: And as far as moving around and, and traveling, so is it true that you fly for free around the world?
0: <laughs> it is. Uh, there is something called a jump seat. I know you've mentioned it on some of your other uh, podcasts. On the for the carrier that I work for, you can absolutely if you can get the jump seat. And most of the planes, the way they're staffed, um, there is a way to to get a jump seat. Um, it's it's a first come first serve. And uh, when you're on there, um, domestically, it's it's absolutely free. Uh, when we go international, we have to pay for the taxes. And um, we can almost fly for free on other carriers. Uh, we use something that's called uh, ID90 or Z Fares, And it's a discounted uh, ticket standby uh, that you can purchase. And it gives you, um, I think it's close to 90% off on a lot of the fares. And so... My wife and I we've been able to use that to get pretty much anywhere we want.
1: You know, a lot of people say that it's really not that great of a benefit, but I will say one thing and I you probably agree with me. I've lost my benefit because I was furloughed after 9/11 and all of a sudden I couldn't just fly to San Francisco whenever I wanted to and it was hu- or just to see my family anywhere. And then I realized, "Oh my gosh, this was a huge benefit." Uh, And so I was wondering how much of that is in your life, how much of that adds value to your job being the ability to actually move around anytime you want?
0: It is, it is, a. it's the flying carpet. That's, that's what I always call it. It's my, <laughs> it's my flying carpet. That's awesome. Um, before I was married, um, I, you know, there was a period uh, the, for, you know, the carrier that I was working um, where I had more days. I actually had more days off than, than, than you, Carl. I had, um, I was only working about eight days a month on a full schedule wow. was because I was working uh, trans con turns. And um, on the days off that I had, I would fly, you know, I would visit friends in London, friends in Turkey. Um, I would go to Asia and, uh, it's, it's that it, the benefit it, they're golden handcuffs. It's re- once you get used to that, it's really hard, hard to give up, but, um, being able to, ha- you know, to visit your friends that are located all over the world, um, is, is, you know, and family, especially, um, I'm, I'm first generation, uh, American and, um, and my, my family's in, uh, half of them's in Europe and the other half is, is over in Asia. So being able to see my family is, um, is, is huge, and and friends that are located across the world. So it's it's not something that I think I could very easily give up.
1: Now, you know, here's a, a little insight into my family. I, you know, I'm a first-generation American, and uh, I don't really go to see my family in Italy, but my wife grew up in Italy, and she, it's funny, she hasn't gotten used to this whole past travel thing, and we've been married for about three, four years, and and uh, yeah, she she goes to certain airports and is comfortable with it, but uh, I'm almost afraid that when she gets used to it. she might just say hey y'all I'll meet you in an island somewhere, and I'm going to go hang out. You know. And uh, truth be told, we've done that before. Uh, we we did it in uh, San Juan, and it's so cool. I went there for an overnight, left her there, did the rest of my trip, met her back, stayed there for a week. So uh, so I think it's an awesome benefit. Not everybody uses it, and and here's the thing: as a flight attendant, you have the ability to actually do that—to take the time to go and and travel because of the days off that you have. Now. Before we, you know, we, we people are get the misconception. You because you are paid by the hour. Do you get a full at eight eight days a month? Are you being paid a full month's worth?
0: Um, no, we have uh, the way that my, the, the the companies are different in how they pay. Basically, we're paid by flight hour, and the way the company sets it up for pay is uh, every two weeks they have. Uh, I guess they it, it goes into a minimum guarantee, and. Um, The minimum hours I have to fly, on average, every month, in order to maintain my my uh, insurance and travel benefits, is uh, is right around 45 hours a month. So as long as I hit that on average over an entire year, um, I'm I'm able to to drop as many trips as I as if someone takes them, you know, I I can get rid of as many trips as I as I can, or pick up up to um, I think it's 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 a lot. It's it's way more than. than anyone needs to fly. I think uh, I heard of someone flying up to 238 hours wow. per month. Yeah, um, I, I think she only did that three months though. That was that's rough. Yeah,
1: that's that's not sustainable. That's for sure. Right. right. So, in as far as the that's a great benefit. Is there anything else as a flight attendant before we get into the pilot jobs that you have as a benefit that maybe? Uh, Maybe the the pilots wouldn't have, or somebody's listening right now is interested in becoming a flight attendant. Uh, Is there any other benefits that we haven't mentioned? I think you said something about benefits as far as health care and that type of thing. Is there anything else?
0: Um, On pretty much any travel related good, um, we uh, we get discounts on hotels, um, car rental companies. uh, uh, cruise packages, uh, anything that's related to the travel industry. Uh, we have, we usually have an agreement with, uh, and actually even shipping, even, uh, cargo, we have uh, some agreements with other, uh, carriers. Um, uh, so those are, those are good. I mean, it's with, with my carrier and I'm assuming most of the others, um, you, you know, it comes with basic care and, uh, and insurance if you opt, you know, if you opt to have that, um, so it's I mean it, it's it's a it, it covers you it's not um it used to be fantastic and now it's 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 still okay so right. right. Um,
1: but still and that's the thing with the airlines I think their benefits are a lot better than most jobs out there. We complain a lot but uh, I think comparatively speaking they're really good. The other benefit of course is the pay. Uh, if you look at the Bureau of Labor Statistics the median pay For a flight attendant, and this is back in 2015, things have gotten better, was $44,860. I think that's fairly easy to do, and I'd like to, you know, as far as, we're not going to ask you how much you make, but in in your airline, uh, is is that a, a good number or is that a little bit low?
0: Um, it's a little bit low. It, it all depends on how much you work. It's, I mean, it's, you know, we, we'd always, you know, the flight attendants check around. They say it's, you know, the best, um, full-time part-time job that you can have because, <laughs> you know, if you can, if you can drop your trips or if you can get rid of them, you can go down to as low as you need to. And if you don't need to get insurance with the carrier, then, you know, then you can drop down to pretty much zero every month. Um, I made just over last year, I took three full, three and a half full months off, and uh, so that's what's that? One hundred and twenty, you know, hundred, hundred, you know, hundred about one hundred and fifty days off yeah. straight. And I, I pulled in a little over seventy thousand. Wow. Um, there are flight attendants I know at my carrier that um, that make six figures.
1: Yeah, and that and that's something that I I try to stress. There are people that can make six figures, especially I guess if you're a speaker and you get certain trips, you're more efficient in the trips, that type of thing.
0: Right. Correct. Correct. Um, the the. There's uh, the one gentleman that I'm thinking about. He uh, he's from Israel and he has family there. And so whenever he's not, uh, whenever he, he can, he picks up a trip. So he does uh, six, seven, seven trips to Israel every month, and that is a lot of money. And um, and he's with family on both ends. So he's it's it's a win-win for him.
1: And interestingly, you talked about trans turns. We were talking about that before. Uh, whereas as a pilot, I can't do those because we have limitations on our hours. But a flight attendant can actually do that. You can go to the coast and come back and, like, say, New York to San Francisco and come right back.
0: I we we can, we can do New York, uh, New York, San Francisco turn is worth about, uh, it's right around 12, 12, 15, 12 30. Um, the duty days, it, it's really squeezing it on the duty day, which is right around 14 hours. Um, but yeah, it's, if you're, if you're a senior and, or it's, uh, it's on a holiday or weekend, um, you can pick those up there. It's, you know, I, I call it blood money because it's really, it's really tough on the body because uh, it's usually an early sign in and then you get back around midnight. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's doable.
1: So you talked about duty days, and this is relevant to being a pilot also. There's the pay and the duty day, and basically we're paid for the time that we're flying, or basically from the door closed to the door open at our destination. And uh, the duty day is that whole time that you're on duty. In other words, you show up to work, usually it's an hour before your trip, say, maybe 45 minutes for certain airlines, and you start your duty period. And then you're done with your duty period, usually about 15 minutes after you block in. We also track things like when you get to the hotel for pilots. I, I'm not so sure if, uh, how they work that with the flight attendants, just you know for our rest requirements, etc. So for, for people listening, we get paid by the hour for flight time, but the duty day is different. So for instance, if they told me to fly to Buffalo and sit there for five hours and then come back from Buffalo, that's two hours of actual flight time, even though I was on duty for like seven hours.
0: Yeah, and something else, Carl, that's that's important about that is a lot of people think that people that the flight attendants are paid, you know, as long as you see them on the plane. No. We actually our, – our clock does not start until the door shuts. And we push – it's not even when the door shuts. It's when the plane pushes back from the gate. That's when our clock starts. And everything before then, you know, some would argue it's volunteering. Other people say it's included in your pay somewhere. And then once we come back to the gate, um, it's, you know, once the door opens – Uh, that's, that's, that stops our clock as well. So, um, you know, your, your flight attendants, your pilots, both were on the aircraft before, um, getting ready and setting up and, and, uh, um, yeah, not always paid for it. So
1: I'm glad you brought that up. That's a great point because we don't, we only get paid that period that we're actually blocked off the gate. Now, with that said, of course, uh, I guess you could say, like you said, that we're compensated differently. Our hourly rates are a lot higher. People look at those hourly rates and say, wow, that's really high. But uh, in reality, we're not getting paid till we're off the gate. So we could actually sit at the gate for an hour, and we're not getting paid for that hour, even though we're responsible for all those people on the airplane. And with that said, I know people are going to write in and, and say something about this. There are rules and work rules at certain airlines where, yes, after a certain amount of time, say thirty minutes, forty-five minutes, or an hour, then the flight attendants do start getting paid because uh, I forget what they call it—like gate hold pay or something like that. Uh, yeah, holding so, pay. Yeah. yeah, holding pay. Thank you. So there is that that opportunity to make money, and and the pilots too. They get that. Um, but uh, overall, though, you've had a really good journey, right, as a flight attendant. <laughs>
0: I have. I started. Would, would you like to hear about the journey? Yeah, or I, I would. That'd be yeah. cool. Okay, I actually started um, right after the. You know, I I finished uh, with uh, with university and um, and like I said, I'm first generation um, first generation American. So we were visiting both my uh, mother's side of the family in Europe and my father's side of the family in Asia, and um, and I remember you know being on the flight and not quite sure what I wanted to do after uh, <laughs> after I finished school and. Um, my we were we happened to be flying on Singapore Airlines, and uh, my brother was sitting next to me. We are at the exit row, and uh, uh, my brother, who's usually pretty quiet, just started talking to the flight attendant. He he asked the flight attendant, he said, "So, how, how do you like your job?" And the flight attendant, he said, "I this is this is my dream job." He said, I, "I can't believe I get paid to travel." He said, "I'm you know I'm headed to New York." Oh, well, I think at that point we're headed to Amsterdam. He said, "I've got three days in Amsterdam, then I go to New York, and I spend four days there. They put me up in a hotel." Um, and he says, I, I, work about 18 days a month and, um, and I get to see the world and the money's pretty good. He said, I just, I just can't imagine doing anything else. And so I had never considered working for an airline before then. <laughs> but when he said, oh, you know, only working 18 days, I thought, oh, that's 12 days off. That's, that's a little bit more than most people get. So, um, so I, I applied at a couple of different carriers, both domestically, uh, both in the U.S. and overseas and um i got a call um from an international carrier uh based out of the uk and um and a domestic carrier and i was already in training with the uh carrier in the states um when i received the other notice so i just um i just went, i just stayed with the uh, with the domestic carrier and um it's it's been a it's been an incredible experience um i you know i i so much of who i am has been because of of the job i You know, in college and in school, I used to, I don't want to say wallflower, but I wasn't very, very social. But then when I started with the, uh, when I started with the airlines, you know, I guess if you show a couple of hundred people a day, how to use a seatbelt, you kind of, it kind of break, you know, you kind of humble yourself (laughs) and you're like, wow, I, you know, this is actually this talking to other people thing. Isn't that much of a, you know, isn't that great of a, uh, isn't that much of a, of a, of a hard thing to do. So um, it's been, I've met some absolutely amazing people, both colleagues and passengers I've had experiences that have just, you know, just, you know, I, I can't even tell you. It's just, I can't imagine my life not having had this job and I'm extremely grateful for the opportunity to have done it. And, um, and having said that, uh, I, my, my interest in aviation actually began before, you know, during, uh, but you know, before deregulation where, you know, where you knew where all the carriers were right. and, um, and they had, you know, and I used to, you know, when I was little, I would draw all the tails of, you know, the different carriers. And, um, and I actually started, um, flying when I was, uh, when I was 14 years old, you know, my parents you know, knew that I wanted to be a pilot. So, um, I started flying lessons when I was 14. Uh, wow. by the time I was 15, I was, you know, I'd soloed and was halfway through, um, through my, my private certificate. And, uh, my instructor at that time, she said, well, you know, we were, we're, you know, you're, you're doing great. Um, I wanted to ask you something about your, your vision. What, what is it? And I, I told her and she said, actually at this time, you know, you can't, um, you can't become a commercial, you know, for a major carrier. Um, at, you know, she said you can continue in general aviation, but at this point there's, there's not much you can do. And so after hearing that, I just kind of, uh, dropped you know it was my dream and i i just kind of dropped it and then um i guess 2 years ago um you know after 20 years with uh with my company um i have quite a bit of time off and uh i was looking for something else to do on the side you know just just something for fun you know a little extra money and i thought oh you know i i don't really play video games or anything like that but i've always enjoyed uh flight simulators so why don't i see if i can get a job as a technician at at uh at CAE or Flight Safety International or one of those, and when there's no one in the, you know, in the simulator, why don't I just hop in and, and start flying? And that that idea lasted about 20 seconds before I realized what I really wanted to do, which is go in and and, and complete the dream. And so I had heard from other pilots um, that they had lifted that, you know, with the Americans with Disabilities Act, um, they, it was it was now, the my dream was possible. So uh, I did a lot of research and um, and. Uh, in the when it, when I started flying a wet 152 was I think thirty seven dollars an hour. Oh <laughs> wow! And right, <laughs> and when I checked back into it, it was I think it, it's it's over a hundred dollars, a hundred and fifty somewhere oh, around there oh, for yeah. a, for a what, when for a wet 152, and um, so I my wife and I we did a lot of research and uh, actually found that South Africa is the second largest. Producer of pilots in the world outside of the U.S. and at about half that price, half the price of, of, you know, what it's being done in the U.S. So, um, with all the time off that I had, you know, with my carrier, um, I bid time off, put my vacation days, my PPT days, uh, into three or four months, and um, and just pretty much set up camp in South Africa. Um, I found an airport that was small. Uh, the housing was the airport. Uh, so, you know, there was a house there with four, four bedrooms and a kitchen. So I moved in there and, uh, and started flying and it was, I didn't realize how much I had missed it until I was able to start flying again. And, um, it was, uh, like I said, it was in South Africa. It was a tiny, I think it was three or four meters wide, um, the the runway it was no vassies no pappies which i'd never i'd i'd always flown with vassies and pappies which are you know the 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 i don't know if you're a like amateur
1: yeah no that's fine you can mention a visual approach slope indicator and precision approach path indicator yeah we can we can talk about that that's a little technical term if you have a question by the way if you're listening just write us and we can can send you a definition of that too
0: right 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 yeah sorry about that i didn't know what no to, no that's good yeah, that's cool yeah. stuff man and uh, it was and the, the airport was built on a um on a on a crosswind, which uh, which wasn't too much fun with a narrow one runway. So uh, even though I spent four months there, I only got half as many hours as I wanted. And my wife said, "Hey, listen, why don't you come back? You know, you can work at the same time and go down south. And even though you're paying twice as much for the for the flight hour and and the instructor, it'll be you know we'll we'll just do it that way because we need we need to start bringing money back into back into the the household." So uh, I did that. I finished um, I finished up at an FBO. Uh, down south and uh, with my private certificate and um, Worked during the summer um, because with with the with all the carriers um, the summers are, are when we make the most money and um, and our schedules are very limited in terms of what we can drop and and get rid of so um, I Worked through the summer and then uh, started with an accelerated uh, flight school in the fall and um, it's been it's been great because there are there are certainly fantastic things about Excel, you know about these pilot mills, and then other things that um that, for example, weather that uh, that have been uh, challenges uh, last uh, weekend ago, yeah, two weekends ago, I finished with my um with my multi-engine commercial. Um I've got my multi-engine commercial certificate, and I am planning on heading to CFI school uh, the beginning of next month.
1: Congratulations, That's awesome. Thanks. That's really cool, dude. uh, And that's that's not easy. I mean, uh, having a multi-engine license is basically flying on one engine, isn't it? How to control the plane on one engine.
0: Basically, yeah, that's what no one tells you. It's like, yeah, that's, that's what you learn to do, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, and that's kind of interesting, because you, you did this Accelerated, and you talked about the weather. Um, why is that an issue as far as, the, that, that's definitely a challenge, and, and why is that an issue, the weather? I mean, I'm assuming there are places in the world you can go where the weather's good all the time, like where I live in Florida.
0: Right, Florida, Texas, Arizona. I thought about all that, and then um, you know, but being based in New York for my carrier and also my uh, my family, we, we live in Manhattan. It's you know, com- commuting to Florida to go to school. Just it, it was you know, for, I'd have to pay for housing, and it just didn't. It, it was not it wasn't the fit that I was looking for. So um, so I bought a, a cheap car here um, in in New York, and uh, I'm driving out to New Jersey um, for school. Um, the weather challenges are that the weather's the weather's pretty much bad in the, in in the winter. It's, I, it took me five, you know, from the time that I was ready to the time that I, um, got my instrument rating, it was about between three and five weeks. And it was, the, the weather was just so bad. And when the weather, the, you know, the day or two that the weather was good, the examiner was already booked. So it was just, it's, it's very difficult in the Northeast in the winter getting, um, getting your time in and you, um, you do learn about icing, which is something that a lot of the people that are purely flying, uh, you know, in Arizona, Texas, or Florida, don't get a lot of. Um, one of my, one of the instructors at the school is from California, and uh, you know he, he he was based in Phoenix, teaching out of you know instructing out of there, and then he did Florida a little bit, and he said you know I I want to learn more about you know, icing, so <laughs> he transferred up to uh, to where I'm going to school in, in New Jersey, and and he's certainly learned about icing. <laughs>
1: interesting yeah and and the other thing is instrument approaches you're definitely going to do a lot of instrument approaches in New Jersey uh interestingly enough, I and we're, I don't know if we're going to talk about it or not, but uh, you're the school that you're going to is actually right down the road for where I from where I stay in New Jersey with my family, right where I grew up, and that's actually where I got my private license is at the same airport, and boy, I tell you. It is amazing the amount of experience you get. Let's talk a little bit about that. In the New York area with the instrument flying, you really get some great, great experience. A lot of times people that fly IFR in VFR weather all the time and places like Florida where it's tough to get that in. I know in central Florida we can get IFR, real low IFR in the mornings and it's a great time to fly. But in the Northeast, you can fly IFR or instrument flight rules. Gosh, for days on end.
0: Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> it is not a problem finding IFR weather in the Northeast. The, you at, at least once a week you're going to find. Well, not maybe once a week, but it's yeah, chances are. And then in, in the winter, you know, more than a couple of days a week. Um, and also, you know, one of the things that I've enjoyed about um, flying here, when I was flying in South Africa, you know, I, I never spoke to a tower because I, you know, there was there wasn't a tower close by. Um, when I finished my uh, private certificate down south, uh, we were just under—it was uh, close to Charlotte, uh, uh, but outside of the—you know—outside of the Bravo. And so I never spoke with them unless I wanted flight following. Coming up to where I'm going to school in New Jersey, it's a whole different ballgame. Um, you know, we we have a tower there, and then as soon as you get up, um, you know, you're 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 in you're in Bravo. So you you have to be on. You have yeah. to be on the radio, and uh, and you have to do do well with it. But yeah, the, there's a lot of yeah. The, as you mentioned, the 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 opportunity to fly out far is is great in in the Northeast.
1: I'll never forget on my instrument uh, check ride. It took me like 15 minutes just to be able to get turned around to get away from the airport, uh, just to start <laughs> flying. It was incredible. Just it's like, gosh, now we can start the check ride finally. Right, um, right. You know, there's a lot of people that write in that are, are, you know, listening right now that are flight attendants or in another job that want to transition out of that job. Some of them have some flexibility, just like you have flexibility as a flight attendant. You mentioned something earlier. Uh, That I want to go back to as far as the the summertime. I think that's true with a lot of people in in different jobs, especially in the travel-related industry and the hospitality industry, is during the summertime, boy, they're super busy. Other people have different uh, seasons in their jobs and their industries, uh, but it's not, I I think sometimes we complain about the summers. I've, I've worked for, what, one, two, three, four, about five different airlines. It's all the same. Summer is tough no matter what. And I'm sure that's that's true where you are, and it's true where any airline you go to, whether it's a regional, a major, et cetera. It really, it, it is tough. And uh, the cool thing about the accelerated program, I think, and I, I like your opinion on this, is the fact that you can take those down times, uh, like in the fall, and man, just bang it
0: out. You can. It's actually, that's, that's we, our company offers something called a personal leave of, Of convenience and it's for wait there's personal leave of absence and the personal leave convenience uh one is to the airplane to the airline's benefit the other one is for personal reasons say for example you have uh, someone that's sick in the family or you want to pursue um a different college degree or something like that so uh and it's all based on seniority and uh and in our and at my company it's uh the, the connection that you have with with your manager um yeah, if if I were to recommend to other flight attendants that are looking to uh, to to start flying, um, I would definitely recommend that you start in the downtime. You know, starting September, as soon as the flying slows down, if you can take uh, a leave, uh, a leave, it's great. Um, you can start uh, if you already have your private. You can and you definitely know that you want to uh, do this for a living. Make sure that you can still get your first class uh, medical. And uh, and continue with a um, you know with a, one of these pilot mills, um, the school that I go to is is a famous one. It's there are other schools that are just as good, um, that have that are much much cheaper. Um, the, however, if if you you know. That, there was a, a flight attendant from another major carrier that came in last week and I happened to be there and so the instructors had me talk to her. Uh, she hasn't she just started flying she just uh, had her discovery flight uh, last week and she was asking you know what she you know what I would recommend she do and uh, my recommendation is if you don't know that you want to pilot a plane for a living um, get your private uh, certificate on your own at a local, fbo or a school that's uh that's close to you that's convenient that will work with your schedule um you know as, as a flight attendant, because it is a a great job to have um and it's so flexible being able to keep uh your job and working and, and taking flying lessons on your off days is is it's a, it's a great opportunity uh the one the 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 person that i was speaking to she had been flying i think a year or a year and a half and uh, she had a lot of reserve days, and but she could bid to have afternoon reserve days. So I said, "Well, why don't you do this in the morning? Take a flying lesson. You know, get your lessons in in the morning, and then in the afternoon, you know, sit your standby or or your reserve schedule, and you'll be able to do all of that." And um, yeah, I, I, that's what I. In retrospect, that's what I would do. Uh, get your private. Make sure that's something that you want to do, and then if you want to do it, uh, if you're a flight attendant or, and want to do it, um, wait until the fall. Uh, you know, get to save up some money, um, bid your time off, and then, uh, or take a leave of absence, and and get it done. You can certainly and do it somewhere where the weather is favorable, uh, like Florida or or California or Arizona or Texas. I I, it was supposed to take me about three and a half months to complete, um, you know, everything that I my multi-engine um my instrument rating my commercial multi commercial uh single and cfi school was supposed to be done in about three and a half months and i am not in cfi school yet and it's been you know since the end of september so it's it's been a while and that's been you know 90 percent of that has been due to weather so make sure you do it somewhere where you can you can get the flying in if you're going to take that that much time off and invest that kind of money
1: I'm glad you brought that up. You know, a lot of people that I I coach and uh, talk to there, they want to know how to do this. Uh, I think this is good advice for people transitioning from other jobs, too. It's going to take you longer if you have a job and you're trying to do this at the same time. Just factor that in. Uh, just, Just... Just pad things a little bit, you know. Maybe double the time, double the money. I always say, well, maybe not double the money, but definitely (laughs) double the time because it is quite expensive, and it really makes it easier for you, and and you won't be as disappointed. Because I'm sure you got disappointed. I would think uh, that you didn't get it done on time.
0: I I was, I was, and you know, Carl, I have to say, it's you know, you learn a lot of patience. Mm -hmm. It's even you know, you get to school, you think you're going to fly, you know, you've you've checked the TAFs, you've checked the weather, and then when you (laughs) then when you get to the school you look outside and you see the the flagpoles about to blow over and and you know it's it's a day that you can't fly so it's certainly it's it's certainly like flying definitely teaches you patience and and you know you you, it's a great opportunity to work on your personal minimums to see you know the 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 flagpole is just about to blow over is this (laughs) a day that i want to fly (laughs) um and the same thing with icing you know you, you know i two of my check rides were were supposed to go on days where it was the the ice was just so frozen you know we didn't have space in a hangar to heat it so it, you know we I, I had to skip a check ride there too um, but yeah it's yeah you, you just have to yeah you learn patience unless you're unless you're in Florida or, <laughs> or Arizona or Texas.
1: And, and even in Florida that happens every so often we do get bad weather like 3 days a year Uh, so so we do have those days but (laughs) i'm joking it it is true though it is so much easier to get it done here because it's always a good day uh you mentioned that you're going to get your cfi i'm assuming you're going to do that so you can build time to move on to the regionals is that is that the plan
0: well the plan yes i mean i i've i've taught for um i've I've worked with the 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 airline that i'm working with now i've worked on a cultural team which is um you know it was with uh let's see the airline I work with started a low cost carrier at one point and I was on the customer service improvement team. And so I would get together and I would talk to the other, you know, to the other flight attendants and say, okay, how can we make this a better product? How can we make this more, um, more of a, uh, of a place that we want to work and, and a place where customers rave about the experience that they have with us. So, you know, I've, I've done training in little bits and pieces, uh, along the way, and I've, I've always enjoyed it. And even, you know, I, I have a son, he's he's five now, and we, you know, when he builds his Lego planes, he wants me to be air traffic control, <laughs> or he or he is air traffic control, and I, I just, I, I love teaching. Uh, so, I think that's something, I'm actually looking forward to that. Um, so, being an instructor is, is a way that I'm going to gain hours, or hope to gain hours. Another um, avenue that I want to look at is, um, is doing charter work, and um, is is yeah is is doing charter work or you know possibly flying for for a family that needs you know that needs a a pilot in the right seat or or something like that
1: so the the other thing and i'm glad you brought that up there is a lot of charter there's a lot of different like, evens cargo you can do um one of the things that i tell people as far as building hours obviously the most hours you're going to build in the shortest amount of time is going to be at a regional uh and that's a given because you're flying so many hours period and you're you know some of these guys are putting in 800 to a thousand hours of flight time in a year uh that's right. that's kind that's unheard of doing in a corporate environment uh, but if you have another job like what you're doing, those are those are decisions you have to make. If you're able to work with a company that's willing to work within your schedule, that's a that's really good. But there's going to be a point, isn't there? Uh, and and I'm sure there's a lot of people that are listening right now saying, "Hey, where is that point that I make the jump from in you know in flight to being the pilot? You know, and that's that's going to be a tough decision at some point, wouldn't it?
0: It, it is going to be a tough decision unless you can get in with someone that has. Well, yeah, I mean, working for regional, you're right. You, you you get the quickest amount of hours, and it's it's usually twin turbine time, and that's something I know the airlines are are looking for. In my situation, because I you know I have uh, a wife, she happens to be a flight attendant as well, and a young kid, and a Manhattan mortgage. Um, my path is going to be a little bit different because uh, with twenty years with the. With the company that I'm working for, if if anything were to happen, you know another um, I don't want to say another 9/11, but another you know another another attack event, or something yeah. like that, yeah, another event, um, I I end up at the bottom, and I, I I can't afford to lose 20 years of seniority. So it, my my path is probably going to take me a little bit longer, um, but you know that's I, it's a good thing that I that I like you know that I'm that I feel like I'm going to like instructing so.
1: I'm glad you said that because that is something that I think people have to realize if you're in a job right now that you like and has, you know, you have some seniority and good pay uh, it's hard to give that up. If you were just a flight attendant for a year or two, that's yeah, a different story. Uh, yeah, I but, would totally.
0: Yeah, yeah, I would give it up. It yeah. be a, it wouldn't be much of a decision. No, but no. twenty years is a lot. Yeah.
1: Oh, and, and especially twenty as a as a flight attendant at any airline, twenty years is is a lot. That and you have all work rules. You have the ability to to schedule your trips when you want them, and and that's a tough decision. Uh, and it, it's not that tough, really. If you look at it, you got to take it holistically and say to yourself, you know, this is what I d- want to do, and this is how I, I want to go forward. Now, if you're, say, a flight attendant and you've already planned this out and said to yourself, okay, I can take the break. I'm not worried about it, and I'm going to go. Then that's that's good too. If you can get a break as far as a leave of absence, right. uh, we've done that. You know, obviously, I, I used to work with Alpa in the you know did the furloughs and other leaves of absence, and uh, and during downtimes, this is kind of an interesting thing. They usually let Absolutely. you go on a leave uh, very quickly. You, you know, like you said, like a personal leave of absence, and uh, they even do reduce flying lines. Uh, I was able when we had a downturn in the uh, 2008. I actually was flying five hours every, you know, twice a month. So another 10 hours total in one month. That was it. Oh, wow. Each paycheck was five hours and uh, that was pretty incredible that we were able to negotiate that. So some it, and and again the reason that the airlines do this it helps them too. It's it, because if they need to expand their workforce they just cancel it. And say okay, you can, you're, you're here, you're on you're on property. We need you to go fly. And right. uh, and that builds up quickly. So there's you know every place is different and just you know listening to you, you know, it's it's very fluid, you know. That that's for sure. But eventually you want to get where though. Where's where's your goal?
0: I would like to get I would like to get into the airline that I'm working for right now I'd like to to fly for them and um, it's you know a lot of it has to do with you know I, I I know the system I know a lot of the the guys there I know some of the the new pilot mentors um, and you know it, it's it's not I I'm, you said that you've been with your airline for about six years um, so you know you know a lot of the the faces mm-hmm. Um when i get on a on a plane you know after 20 years i, I know a lot of the play i know a lot of the faces too especially if i'm flying international and it's it's always nice it's it's like meeting friends right and so you know i would i would love to be able to fly with uh with with some of the friends i have at, at my current airline i think that would be a lot of fun uh, i think one of the things i that i i would bring to the table is just you know an understanding about what the people behind, what what the people on the other side, what people on both sides of the of the flight deck door do, and you know when it's stressful for them, and and how to you know how to resolve issues, and you know I'm just I I just I think I'd be a great asset, and I actually look forward to that challenge.
1: Yeah, I, I think you'll do really well, obviously. And uh, oh, the other thing we haven't talked about is is the other decision. I'm sure came through in your mind is the pay's a little bit better, isn't it? On in the in the front seats.
0: <laughs> the pay is a little bit better you know Carl I was talking with uh with some of the the, the new hire pilots we've we've had a lot of them lately at my, at my airline and um and I actually am making more as a flight attendant that now than they are right um and uh but yeah but I think it's within two to three years mm-hmm. I'll have I'll work I'll be working less days making the same or more and then after five years they definitely make more than I do um
1: but it's so it is a delayed gratification. But uh, but if you look down the road five, ten years, and especially for those that work a lot, it really does pay off. Uh, and that's where I tell people if uh, and I'll give a statistic here. The you know the BLS, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, says the median income's one hundred and two thousand, uh, and that was back in May of two thousand fifteen. And I gosh, uh, you know, there's things have changed a lot. It's hard for anybody to be making less than that after two years as a as a pilot with a, a major, say three years, uh, definitely you'd be making more than that. Uh, so that's something that that is also you have to look at is those that pay. But the other thing too is down the line, uh, you know. Say you and I always give this stat: if you're a ten-year captain with a major, no matter where you are, you're going to be making over two hundred thousand a year, and that's the opportunity you look for as far as money's concerned. It's not all about the money, but it is it is a big bonus, and so are the retirement benefits. Uh, Absolutely. And, and, and it's fun. I mean, you get to sit and – I mean, I, what's really cool, and I'm sure you've done this, is when you get the flight attendants to come up and they look out the window like, wow. Wow. That's cool. I had someone ask me this the other day and, and the flight attendant said to me, do you ever get bored with this? And I said, what, looking out the window at this? No. no, It's <laughs> not at all. Uh, there are times when it can get boring. Uh, obviously, you're sitting there droning along over the Atlantic Ocean. There is no stars. You can't see the ocean. All you see is gray. And, eh, that's not so great. But, you know, that doesn't happen all the time. Uh, I get to see some wonderful things. And it is still a lot of fun to be doing, you know, take and landings and uh, you know, here's just, you get it in the planes you fly. Uh, you know, when you roll it on, I rolled one on last night in Kennedy. It's like, I didn't even know we touched down. That is so gratifying, <laughs> isn't right. it? It's just such a great feeling no matter. And, and just think about this. When you started flying and you rolled one on, it was exciting. Here it is God, I forget how many decades later. And I'm still excited about doing that. You know, so it, it is pretty cool. And landings are always a challenge. They're always different. Uh, the rest of the the journey, well, you know, you, you got autopilot. You can relax a little bit. Um, I will say one thing as I get older is uh, I used to not like automation. And I don't know what's happening now, but I'm thinking to myself, you know, <laughs> I, I don't mind it as much anymore, and it keeps me out of trouble. And uh, I do a lot of manual flying. Don't get me wrong, but uh, I do – Love all that automation up front so uh, people always ask that question uh, you know what you know do you do you ever fly the airplane? of course we do you know you just have to right. turn everything off. Uh, but uh, Jim, this has been great. I really am enjoying this conversation. I know we got to cut it off here shortly, uh, but uh, but be- before we go, and there's a couple things I think you wanted to get to, uh, and uh, we talk about what to look for in a flight school. Gosh, you know that's that's Absolutely. up to you. I mean, that's uh, the, it, it's all about you. It could be where it's located, uh, and you kind of colored that during the whole conversation. Your location was important for you. The cost was important, and the and the ability to move forward quickly. That may not be true for somebody else
0: right Um, i'm glad you brought that up there's actually something else that i think you know a couple of other things that i that i would look for when choosing a flight school and one of those is a a uniform fleet the one of the flight schools that i went to um you know for my private uh they had about five different versions of the 172 and you you know for your check ride you have to know everything about the plane and each plane flies slightly differently. Has you know, it has a slightly different feature. I would recommend going to a school that has a uniform fleet. It all has the same type of plane, um, the same type of navigation equipment. Just so you you can become an expert at it. Um, another thing I would do is look for a school that has a simulator that you can use. Um, I mean. All flight schools have simulators that you can pay about 90 bucks an hour or something like that for. Um, the, the flight school that I go to, you can use it unlimited um, for, for free. And, um, and I think that's something that you can negotiate um, with the flight school if you, if you get a package to get, say, your private or your instrument rating or commercial rating. Um, get, get, get a school that has a simulator. It's, it's much easier to work out problems in a simulator than it is to spend the money and the fuel and and all that up in the air, um, and find instructors, beat the instructors, and actually find the instructors that love to teach. Because there are a lot, unfortunately there are um, a lot of not a lot there are there are instructors out there that are doing this just to build the time and not because they love teaching or love flying. And um, you have to find someone that you click with. And if you don't click with that instructor. You're not going to learn as much as if it's someone that you uh, that you really uh, click with. Uh, when I was in South Africa, my instructor there he was phenomenal. I, you know, he and I are still friends. We still talk about planes. We still talk about flying. And it's just his teaching style and and my learning style. It was just a great fit. And um, I think something else to look for is uh, is a good maintenance department. Something um, a, a school that can have their planes fixed within a day or two. The the pilot mill that that I'm or the pilot school that I'm currently go to, uh, we, if we squawk something or, you know, or write it up, if something's broken at the most, it takes two days to get that plane fixed. And that, um, is very different than uh, the school that I went to in South Africa or even, uh, down below Charlotte. I took them sometimes two, two to three weeks to get the plane back up. And I'm not sure if that was because it was the annual or the hundred hour, um, and yeah, make yeah find find a school that can get a that has a plane and can get it fixed pretty quickly.
1: And and I gosh, I anybody who's looking for a school, that's great advice. That really is, Jim. Uh, one of the things that I think is is important to understand too, when you talk about uniform fleet. Uh, that doesn't mean all the planes have to be the same, because obviously, uh, if you're starting out and listening to this, you need to get your multi-engine, you need to get your instrument, you need to get your your commercial rating, and those are different types of aircraft. But within that whole realm, say you're getting your multi-engine, all the multi-engines should be similar, or best to be similar. Same thing when you're doing your commercial In an aircraft that has, you know, landing gear that comes up and down. They, you know, you have to make sure that they're all very similar because. Uh, You know, for me, I had to go from a 172 RG to an Arrow. Piper Arrow, two different systems and, and a lot right. different look. During my check ride, I had to go between the two, so I think that's a very, very good advice. I like the advice you gave on the simulator. You know, I'm, I'm always saying on this show that we really need to to do more simulator work, and it does save you a bunch of money, even if you do the stuff at home uh, and practice the procedures. And uh, I think another point that you made is terrific, and and uh, I'd like to add further to it is interview your flight instructor. You know they're working the, for you. You're right?
0: paying them money. Yeah, you're you're paying them <laughs> yeah, a lot of money. You're paying them right. <laughs> and,
1: and I I think that's that's incredibly important. Well, gosh, this has been some really good information. I know we've gotten kind of long. We're trying to keep this a little shorter, but we've got a bunch of really good stuff here. Before we go, let's circle back as far as being a flight attendant, and then we'll talk. We'll we'll finish up here. Um, what kind of qualifications do you need, by the way, to be a flight uh, flight attendant in an airline?
0: Uh, you used to. I started back in the mid '90s, early early '90s. Um, you needed uh, you needed to have a a college degree, but you no longer need a college degree. Um, if you don't have a college degree, you definitely need some sort of customer service um, background, and and that's I mean they accept anything from from being a server, waiter to you know if if you've been uh, if you're at a call center, if, if they want to know that you're able to to handle and deal with the public without going off swearing and, you know, (laughs) throwing (laughs) things and, and all that. And, uh, and obviously if you can speak, um, the more languages you can speak, the better. I happen to speak German. Um, that was one of the reasons that I got, that I got hired. It was right after the Olympics and we were expanding our routes into more of Europe and, um, and they needed German speakers. So I was able, that brought me in. Um, if I can just touch on the, the languages, you know, languages, for example, Spanish, um, there are a lot of Spanish speakers in the Northeast, uh, so those aren't as coveted as, say, for example, if you speak uh, Dutch or Japanese or um, or Portuguese. Um, so those the the more critical, they call them critical languages at my airline. Um, if you, if you can if you speak a language you think that not many people speak or not enough people speak, then that will certainly help you um, help you get hired. Um, if you have uh, uh, EMT background, or uh, any any sort of like health related. I mean, if you were a nurse, we have a lot of of nurses. There's um, there's actually a doctor. He was in the class just junior to me. He's a dentist, and um, he he is on payroll, but he he rarely flies. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it's it, it's it runs the gamut. We have a couple of attorneys that are flight attendants. Um, uh, with, there's there are two vets, about four or five chiropractors that are flight attendants at my airline. Um, it 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 really varies. If if you're good with people and they can and you can bring that across to the interviewer, that's that's what you need.
1: Interesting. Yeah, that's uh, that's some great info as far as becoming a flight attendant. Uh, it's really important too. I think you have to be able to multitask. Uh, and oh
0: yeah that, of course yeah that that comes with it as well
1: <laughs> uh, it, it's in uh, you know you have to do that as a pilot too but obviously a lot of people don't realize how much is going on all at once you know and it, it can all happen uh, just five things can happen right away you know, and you have to be able to prioritize which one's the most important uh, so that that's really important how about, and and before we finish up here because and obviously if people have questions uh, Jim we'll send them all on to uh, you can go to feedback at dot or just go to the contact page and we will forward them on to you and if people have questions maybe even have you back on again because I think yours is a really interesting journey uh, and it's been it's been great having you here but now going back to the pile thing, Uh, before we go what what kind of advice just a general advice would you give to somebody who's thinking about uh, becoming a pilot and is currently a flight attendant
0: Um, do a discovery flight and see if you can get that first class medical because if you do a discovery flight and you find that it's not for you or it's not you know something that you'd like to learn it's better to do that now before investing tens of thousands of dollars and if you also if you can't get a first class medical um you are then limited to, well, it depends on what what, what medical you get, second or third class. Um, you're limited to, uh, you can do some corporate or, you know, or just stick in in general, you know, stick in in uh,
1: general aviation.
0: Yeah. Right, flight instructing. It's, you know, both of them are, you know, flying is flying. I mean, I, I, I'm I, looking for, I can't believe I get paid, I mean, for my <laughs> job. And then, you know, once, once I'm in, you know, once I'm in on the other side of the cockpit door, of flight deck door, it's going to be, you know, it's, I, I'm, just love flying in every aspect of it. So, um, yeah, I would check, uh, do a discovery flight, see if you like it, see if it's something you want to do and, um, have maybe an instructor go with you over the, uh, the, the PTS guidelines, some of the things that you'll need to learn and have to learn to do it. And then see if you can get that first class medical, if you want to do it for, uh, you know, for, a, for a major airline.
1: Well, Jim, that that's great advice, and I tell you what, this has been awesome just sharing your journey with us. And I'm sure we're going to get a lot of feedback, and I, I'd love to send that along to you, that feedback, and maybe we, we could have you back on again to answer some of those questions.
0: Absolutely, thank you so much for for inviting me on the show. Um, I listen to your podcast all the time. <laughs> it's actually funny <laughs> listening to your voice and then actually responding. Um, it's uh, I I yeah I'm I. I'm a cheerleader for any um, for anyone getting into the the flight community, especially flight attendants, because I know what your jobs like. Um, I know that we have certain perceptions of what 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 happens on the other side of the flight deck door, and um, and it's it's fun on both sides. I just I'm thank you for for having me on. I'm I'm, I'm happy to help answer any questions or or give any any limited guidance that I have. Um, yeah I'm happy to do it
1: well just the inspiration alone would be great that's for sure but yeah this has been terrific and and we appreciate you and what you've done out there and 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 the pilots on on the other side of the door do appreciate what the flight attendants do because a lot of them you know they couldn't do it it's it's a it's a tough job it's uh, it's a lot of work uh, there are two different uh, skill sets involved uh, but it's a it's a whole bunch of fun just being in this industry uh, and hey if you're listening right now and you have a question for myself or any of the other guests that we have had on. remember feedback at com. We'll forward those questions on and either they'll respond directly or we'll read their answer right here on the podcast. Uh, also, you know, just just like Jim's done here, make sure you, you he's done a great job stepping forward, moving forward with his career. And, and like I always say, do something now, do something today to move forward in your career. It might be some small step where you go and research, do a discovery flight, start listening to podcasts, etc. But but do something now and take that step, move forward in your career and your life. Well, folks, we'll talk to you next episode and safe flying.